Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. The first few years of Jesus' earthly life are marked by moving from place to place. First, at, For the first couple of years, he had lived with his family in Bethlehem. Then, when Herod's jealousy was kindled, the Holy Family fled to Egypt. After Herod's death, they returned to Nazareth in Galilee. Once they settled in Nazareth, life slowed down again, and Jesus remained there, only leaving to go to Jerusalem for the pilgrimage festivals according to the law. But at the age of 30, he began his public ministry when he went to John the Baptist at the Jordan to be baptized by him. When this happened, John was confused and concerned and tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? This happened at the height of John's ministry, as the forerunner, as the one who goes before the Lord to prepare his way. He was sent to prepare the way of the Lord by his preaching of repentance and by baptizing those who came to him in repentant faith for the forgiveness of sins. John's baptism was a baptism for sinners, for those who recognized their sin and were sorry and turned to God for mercy. This is why John sees the scribes and the Pharisees coming to the Jordan to investigate him, and he says to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. John recognized that the Pharisees and scribes did not come to him out of repentance, to be baptized, to be forgiven. The Pharisees and scribes came to John to see why so many open sinners why soldiers and tax collectors, prostitutes and common people were coming to the Jordan from all of Judea to hear John. They did not think that they needed baptism. Such cleansing and purification was only for sinners and converts, not for them. They were children of Abraham and took pride in their keeping of the law and the tradition of the elders. John rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees hoping to incite them to repentance. For though they did not think they needed baptism, they certainly did. So it was when our Lord comes to John to be baptized, John tries to prevent him. 
Why is Jesus, the Lord whose way John is preparing, coming to be baptized? It's a baptism of repentance, a baptism for sinners. Jesus is the sinless one. He alone does not need this baptism. He alone is free of sin and does not need to repent. And so he doesn't need John's baptism. Jesus is he who is coming after John, who is mightier than he, whose sandals John is not worthy to carry. And yet he is coming to John requesting to be baptized. When he says, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me, John not only confesses Jesus' sinlessness, but he also confesses his own sinfulness. John confesses before the Lord Jesus and before all those who witnessed the event that he himself, though he baptized many, was also in need of baptism. He was also a sinner, just like all those that came to him to be baptized. He also needed this baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And yet the Lord, the sinless one, comes to him asking to be baptized. See how eager John is to submit to his Lord. He recognizes that Jesus is mightier than himself and that he is not worthy to carry his sandals. And if John was not worthy to carry even his sandals, how much less worthy is he to baptize him? In saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me, John confesses that Jesus is not simply a fellow prophet, but that he is far higher than him, that Jesus is superior in every way to him. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it, for, permit it so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him. John confessed that Jesus was greater than he, and now, as a true prophet, he obeys the voice of the Lord as Jesus calms his fears and doubts, and so he permits him, and he baptizes him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him as a dove and alighting on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Before John would allow Jesus to baptize, before John would allow Jesus to be baptized by him, Jesus said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Why do these words convince John? First, Jesus speaks to John about their own offices when he says it is fitting for us. John's office is not only that of prophet, but that of forerunner that of the one who goes before the Lord to prepare his way. As the forerunner, it's fitting that he baptized Jesus as he begins his ministry. It is fitting that during the height of John's ministry that Jesus' begins, so that as John later tells his own disciples, I must decrease and he, Jesus, must increase. It is fitting that the forerunner baptized the Lord so that he might proclaim him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and continue to bear witness about him and what happened at his baptism. It's also fitting that the Lord begins his ministry with baptism. He himself did not need to be baptized. There was no requirement for him. After all, he's without sin. However, it is fitting that he who came to save sinners would identify 
with sinners. He who desired the salvation of mankind became a man, became like us, though without sin. In his death he was numbered with the transgressors that he might save them. Although sinless, he became counted among sinners that he might save us from our sins. Going to be baptized, he says that he is indeed willing to take on the sins of the world that he might save the world. He says that he is willing to bear our sins and be our savior. Indeed, he is also willing to go to the cross to make atonement for our sins that we might be forgiven. As St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Thus it is fitting that the sinless one condescends to us and receives a sinner's baptism. He is not afraid to come near to sinners. As Isaiah prophesied, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He comes near to sinners so that he may heal us, so that he may forgive us so that he may rescue us eternally. So too in his baptism, he directs us to the sacrament of baptism that he instituted. One of our baptismal prayers that we use contains this line. Through the baptism in the Jordan of your beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you sanctified and instituted all waters to be a blessed flood, a lavish washing away of sin. Jesus' baptism identifies him with sinners. Our baptism identifies us with Christ and his death and resurrection. As Paul writes to the Romans, as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And to the Colossians he writes, in Christ you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. By his own baptism, Jesus makes known his desire to make use of the sacrament in his church and blesses all waters for this purpose. And so he sends his disciples to the ends of the earth to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For just as God manifested himself at Christ's baptism, we are baptized into his triune name, and God comes to us through the waters, forgiving our sins for Christ's sake, and making us his children by causing us to be born again. These gifts he ties to baptism, and we, trusting in his promises, receive them. We also see in our Lord's baptism that there is no mode or method of baptism prescribed. It does not say how Jesus was baptized, it just says that he was. It does not say that he was fully covered by the waters, nor does it say if he stood in them and it was poured or sprinkled on him. It just says that he was baptized. This is so that we may know that all of our baptism's validity does not rest upon the method. It does not matter if you were sprinkled or if it was poured on you or if you were fully immersed. What matters is the word of Christ. And speaking of that title, Christ, at his baptism, Jesus 
properly becomes the Christ. Christ is a title, like king. It is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah, both of which mean anointed one. Usually, it was anointing with oils to be set apart for an office, like prophets and priests and kings in the Old Testament. But Jesus was not anointed with oil, but instead was anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. The Holy Spirit descended on him and remained, showing that his anointing with the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of prophecy, marking him as the Christ. Thus says the Lord God to Isaiah, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. As the prophet, priest, and king par excellence, Jesus has received the oil of gladness beyond his brethren. In being anointed with the Holy Spirit, according to his divinity, Jesus already possessed the same divine nature that the Holy Spirit possessed. But now, according to his humanity, he is anointed with the Holy Spirit, who remains in him and with him, for he is Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And as Jesus begins his ministry as the Christ, the heavens open, and God is made manifest. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending down like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here we see Jesus is indeed the Son of God. We see the Holy Spirit descending visibly, that the witnesses may know this truth, and they hear the Father speak from heaven, that we may be sure that this is his beloved Son, in whom he is well pleased. So it is in the baptism of Jesus that he begins his ministry, begins identifying with sinners that he might save them, begins his office as mediator between God and man, to reconcile God and man to one another, to make peace between them. As Jesus begins his ministry, the Father declares his pleasure in his Son and in his work, so that we might know that this is indeed the will of God, so that we might know that the work of Jesus bearing our sin is all in accordance to his good and gracious will. This is he is the beloved Son in whom the Father is well pleased. He is the way for us to the Father, the way, the truth, and the life. All this we see and give thanks to God for in our Lord's baptism. May God, who manifested himself in Christ Jesus at his baptism in the Jordan River, keep you steadfast in the faith of your baptism. May he who promised in baptism to never leave you nor forsake you be with you and remain with you always. And may he who has united you to the death of Jesus Christ in baptism bring you to life eternal through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.